and welcome to a brand new installment of Talk Nintendo Podcast for Thursday, July 6th, 2023. I am your host, Alex Kalafi, hosting a traditional classic episode of Talk Nintendo Podcast with my fellow original host, Jordan Rudek. Hi. Hey, Alex. Uh, yeah, we're we're effectively taking over the show. This is the new Talk Nintendo Podcast. Those other two jabronis there... I think they're, they're they're gone. They're done. They're starting their own podcast now, so or a different podcast. They're starting Nintendo News Report back up. It's, it's very confusing. Someone has to. Someone has to take yeah. the reins. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, but no, it's Perry's out not having a child, even though he said he was going to. Although I, I may eat my words in a day. Um, and then Casey's lazy. So we have our buddy Jordan here this week to to talk to me about a bunch of games we played the pikmin 4 demo yeah but, but before we get into the video games i just want to say uh we're both having a pretty big week happy canada day belated to you it gets a good yeah it's definitely a good week for north america in general uh yeah <laughs> lots of celebrating <laughs> lots of lots of barbecues lots of nice weather uh yeah canada day was uh, a few days ago, you know, we went to uh, saw we had there's a parade kind of close by to us. We took the kids to the parade, uh, then had a barbecue in our townhouse complex. And it was a, it was a good day all around. You know, kids were exhausted. Sunburns were had by all, but uh, also a lot of fun <laughs> as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a good time. Let me ask you, how big of a day is Canada Day? Like, is it as big to Canadians as Independence Day, which is the day we're recording this, is to, let's say, Americans? You know, I, I think it's pretty close. Like, obviously, like, you know, you can see Canada as like America light. And I think that that's generally pretty <laughs> apt, you know. But Canada Day, it's done up pretty big. There's a lot of celebrating. A lot of all the kind of municipalities that are in and around Vancouver, they all kind of do their own shindig. You know, they'll have like some kind of parade or festival or or it's some pop up uh, event. You know, uh, fireworks at night, all that kind of good stuff. So I think Canada Day is a pretty big one. And uh, I was remarking to some buddies of mine who I, I ran into at, at this parade um, that it feels like out, coming out of the pandemic and you know, where, where things were kind of shut down and cloistered and, and, you know, everyone's kind of celebrating more independently. It felt like this year was kind of a resurgence, kind of making up for that. So you had that where we went, uh, you know, thousands of people over by the water um, uh, area called Steveston. Um, that, that's that's where they had the parade and lots of, you know, fresh fish and fish and chip shops and stuff like that around there. Mm. So it was bumping, man. There was, yeah, could have been 10,000 people there. I wouldn't have been surprised. So is, is seafood a lot of what you're seeing as like the holiday food today in the same way that you might get like burgers and dogs? Uh, yeah. Fourth of July stuff. They do a big salmon bake. So salmon bake, okay. it's sushi. There's a lot of Japanese Canadians in the area, too. So, yeah, a mm. lot of seafood, a lot of you go down to the, the docks there. You can buy fresh seafood, spot prawns, uh, fresh salmon, all that kind of stuff. So they do a kind of traditional salmon bake. That's the big that's the big eating event that happens there, I guess. But they do like a pancake breakfast. They do, uh, there, there, was, there was chow mein, a bunch of food trucks showed up. Uh, a, a lot of them do kind of center around the seafood as well. But there there was some variety uh, in, yeah, it, it's gosh, the lineups were so long. We, we were, we were going to get some of the food there, but we ended up just getting eliminated and kind of piecing out just because we didn't want to drag the kids through the lineups. But yeah, a lot of people there having a good time. Um, yeah, so this was a definitely a bigger Canada Day than some of the some of the last ones were for sure. 
That's good. It, it really does feel like this year on a whole is, you know, maybe COVID will never be over, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it feels like this is the closest we've been to it being over, or at least everyone being so normalized to getting sick every six months. Yeah. That it's like, I guess this is, I guess it's basically over in our brains, even if it's not actually over. Like there, there's an enthusiasm for getting together and trying, yeah, trying to kind of compensate for, for making up for lost time kind of thing, you know, that, um, a lot of people are vaccinated now. You know, things are happening outdoors. The weather's nice. So it's a little bit safer in that regard too. Um, but yeah, it just, just feels like kind of trying to get, get, keep getting back to that normal. And in an event like Canada day where, where everyone has a chance to celebrate something as well, you just see it kind of, you know, increase or there's, there's an energy to it, you know, that, that, that hadn't been seen uh, pre pandemic, I would say like there, there's a kind of rebounding effect maybe. Mm. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I like hearing about Canada, and I feel like even though uh, us Americans can get very protective about our country <laughs> on this holiday of all yeah. holidays, I feel like Canada and the U.S. are, are mostly buddies. Mm-hmm. I think the only trouble I run into is like, hey, I'm, I'm like any other person. I'll, I'll talk crap about my own country uh, any, any which number of ways. But if anyone from Great Britain starts insulting America mm. for some reason, like... It's like every American's duty, no matter where you fall on the political <laughs> compass, yes, to yes. turn briefly nationalist right, and just sure. be like, <laughs> no one even wants you to have a monarchy anymore. It's it's funny. Like I I, I totally understand that. I get that. Um, and I, I guess there 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 is a connection between Canada and Great Britain as well. But it's never one of that's contentious. I don't think it's you know it, w- there's like a relationship there, and it's very much like just oh. Yeah, we're still connected to them in some way, but a lot of people, I, I think, as we're getting older, you know, new generations that are coming up, like th- there's just less f- thinking about it. It's, it's not not top of mind, you know. We're we're changing. I think we're changing some of the currency to to not have so much monarchy attached to it. You know, it's. <laughs> I, I think there is just just less. Yeah, let th- less thoughts going towards it. You know, it's like. Yeah, you know, there was more of a connection. Our parents maybe had more of a connection to it, but now it's like, uh, who really cares? Like, I, I, I don't know. That, that's the consensus that I seem to, at least the people around me, uh, express. So, I, I, I know that like this probably isn't the best topic for a video game podcast. But my last question before we move on is, and then this is going to be an offensive uh, question, I feel. But is Canada a colony of Great Britain? I w- like again. So my my answer is that let's say 20 years ago or 50 years ago, my answer would have been more. Yes. Now in 2023, I think it's less. Yes. You know, it's okay. like, <laughs> I think, no I think people answer. born today just don't think of it like that as much, you know? And yeah. I think that there, there's a movement away from, you know, thinking of Canada as, as part of a Commonwealth with great Britain. And mm-hmm. again, maybe in, in official documentation, that's still there, but it's just less people care about it less, you know? And I think, I think there is a, there, there might even be a pushes in government to kind of move away from that officially. It just hasn't happened yet, or there's other things more top of mind. So, sure, yeah, I'd say you know we're we're, we're there's a closeness there, there's a history there for sure. But in terms of like modern connection, it's just much more tenuous. I'd say, sure, yeah, and um, I, I don't, I don't, and I don't think it's offensive at all. I think it's yeah, <laughs> you, you you just notice less young people today engaging with that connection. I'd, I'd say. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I'm guessing uh, young people in, in Great Britain are pro- would probably say the same thing. Oh, the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes yeah. sense, right? Yep. Anyways, uh, this is a video game show, uh, ostensibly. Not without Casey eh. and Perry. No, we're rebranding this. It, it's uh, the, I don't know, the Attacking Great Britain podcast, the Canada and USA Friends Forever podcast, something like yep. that. Brews and news. <laughs> yes. Uh, a new beer. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's gonna it's gonna become part of the thirsty. I like it. Network. That's it. Yep. Yeah. That's we. we uh, David will be very pleased. I think. <laughs> no, but we got we got a bunch of stuff. Uh, we're gonna start out with the newest. Well, I guess technically one two switch came out. A Don't few you days dare! Ago. No. We- <laughs> But I, <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought we might get through the hour without it, but we have to. <laughs> no, I, I I had forgotten it. It's it's reviewing like not horrendously, but they're basically saying like it's an anemic version of one two switch with different games is sort of what people are saying, I think. The the real celebration of Canada Day and Independence Day was separating ourselves from moving away from <laughs> one two everybody's one two switch or whatever the heck you want to call it. <laughs> Uh, the the horse the horse uh, the guy horse is his name Horace like I I I can't yeah <laughs> I just yeah can't I don't that. yeah ridiculous oh. but no this is this is the the I would say the actual biggest release of the last week and it's something yeah. that I thought I wasn't gonna play until closer to release but I I I did it and Jordan did too we're talking about the Pikmin Four demonstration. So, so we've been sort of spoiled for Pikmin lately because uh, there was that Nintendo Direct. They dropped Pikmin 1, as the game's titled now, plus 2, mm-hmm. uh, sort of HD, sort of bare bones, but very, very competent ports of the first two GameCube Pikmin games on Switch. And then a Pikmin 4 demo is out today. And what surprised me was the game comes out on July 21st, which is... A little less than a month, I guess three weeks or whatever. Three weeks, yeah. After the the demo comes out, came out on June twenty eighth, and what stood out to me most about this gen this demo was that it was very generous. Like I got two hours of game out of it. It's it's a beefy boy for sure, and you know I I, I love demos like that where you, your carry your progress carries over, you know, and they don't they don't kind of like cut it off at a point where you feel like, oh, I didn't really get it. You know, I didn't really understand what's going on. I'm thinking about new players, you know, people that haven't played Pikmin before, which I think could be a bunch, could be a lot of uh, Switch owners, right? So mm-hmm. uh, releasing one and two, uh, you've got, uh, and then you've got this demo now. Like, I think it's it's a good, it's a good chunk. It gives you a good idea of what people are in uh, in store for, or what what's in store for people that uh, want to get into this series. Yep. Um, the the structure of this, which is just the beginning of the game, up until I'm I believe the second area, it seems to sort mm-hmm. of sort of bring you up to, is that Olimar goes off on an adventure, which seems to be the exact same adventure he went on in Pikmin three, <laughs> Pikmin two, and Pikmin one. That's right. Where he goes to what I believe is is assumed to be the same planet, 
uh, all four times. Um, his ship breaks because it does every single time, which actually is like narr- was a little narratively confusing, but it's a Nintendo game, so I'm not gonna like really stew on it too much. Um, and and the you, you do a prologue where you're in a living room, which is very interesting because I always assumed the Pikmin universe was was implied to be post-apocalyptic Earth. Hmm like far in the, in the future like some hundreds of years but this was this was a very nice yet yet creepily empty living room um sort of a nice suburban home um and then after that demo you flash back to uh the rescue corps which are a member of olimar species who are basically sent they're members of olimar species they're like a a rescue team sent out to save him they end up crash landing and then you play as a rookie who is sent down as the last resort to uh rescue the rescue team and olimar and then you create your own character uh and then you find a couple of them and then you have to collect treasures which are bottle caps and stuff, but there's also a Game Boy Advance SP. I found some Hanafuda cards, um, and that sort of can be turned into Sparkium, which is just the currency that you build in your ship over the course of the game. And then you can play like three or four days until you get 1500 Sparkium, and then the demo ends, at which point you're presumably going off to the second location. So it takes place in the tutorial area, and the first major location of the game, and you get to see basically all of it, which makes me think this is basically ten percent of the game, mm-hmm. which was which was which was kind of impressive. Um, but what do you? What were your initial thoughts of of Pikmin Four? Yeah, so I, I I'm definitely looking forward to this game. It's, it was one I was going to play before I tried the demo. The demo wasn't going to be selling me on it. I was already you know going to pre order the game, going to pick it up for sure, probably a physical version. Um, the, the demo, I, I thought, I thought the part with Olimar at the beginning was a little bit slow. Like I, I know they're mm-hmm. doing some, some background stuff there, you know, where they're, they're in that, um, looks like, 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 like a playroom or a living room or something like that. And you're kind of just going around learning some of the basics of controlling the game. Uh, but once you got into the second area where you actually have your created character and you're going around doing Pikmin kind of stuff, you know, picking up the items and, uh, you know, harvesting the Pikmin and kind of looking around, like it, it, it felt, it felt very much like the, the, the other three games, you know, uh, you getting right back into it. Um, so it, it, it definitely kind of picked up my interest in the game again. Like I, I am very much looking forward to this one and, um, just felt like more Pikmin, like you, the kind of things you're doing in the game. Like I, I like Ochi. I like, you know, his little abilities, the fact that you can power him up and stuff like that. Um, felt, felt like it's a little bit more progression to the game. Uh, I like the little underground kind of dungeon areas. I think those are cool. I think that the mm-hmm. fact that the time kind of stops when you're in there. And so you, you have an area, you have parts of the game where there's that time pressure and others where you can slow down and kind of go at your own pace and just kind of, you know, go around and see everything that's there. Um, take your time, kind of do it perfectly without losing any Pikmin. So I like the contrast between those two areas as well. Um, I, I, I probably played about an hour and a half in total, maybe two hours. And I, th- that that was enough to kind of whet my appetite again for the game. And I didn't, I, I know uh, some other people, um, Matt Zawadniak for the, for Nintendo world report, he was trying to min max the game to kind of get as far as he possibly could without ending <laughs> the demo. And I think that that's a neat thing that you can do kind of, you know, not breaking it, but just taking full advantage of, uh, 
what what is available there. So um, for that 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 option is there for people who want to do as much as they can to have as much progress carry over to the full game. But yeah, I I, I enjoyed the demo. It's it's got me in the mood for Pikmin more more than I I was before, and ha- had a really good time with it. Yeah, I I had a similar experience to Matt, kind of. I like I played it normally, but the way the game is the demo is structured, you basically play up until you have 1500 sparkium, which is from collecting enough treasure, bringing it back to your ship, the way Pikmin games are. We're not going to explain Pikmin. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh if you get under 1500, my understanding is you can just play the game indefinitely until you get to that point (laughs) i didn't test it to see if that's true and the first map is kind of small so you wouldn't gain all that much but i did notice when i was in the underground area that i had 1470 and i'm like oh if i stop now i can get and just explore break down a couple of the barriers sort of get a lay of the land then the next day i can fully explore and then see the second half of the map which is a little hard to get to if you're just trying to collect 1500 naturally. So that's what I did. And I ended up getting like a fourth day out of it when like the game probably kind of intends you to get three. Yeah. And that was, that was nice because there's like a whole second half of the map with a couple extra underground areas um, and a couple mechanics that I think some people aren't going to see in the demo unless they, um, unless they sort of do the same thing. I do like it, it like some of the underground areas have like more of a puzzle feel to them that wasn't necessarily uh, visible. And then you see more of the the crafting system that it introduces. I guess the, the funny thing to me is like you, 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 and not, you know, all the power to people that want to play the demo like that. I love that, you know, you, Nintendo puts out a demo where you have that flexibility to go kind of game it a little game, the system a little bit and go further. You, you, when we get to the full game, you're going to be doing that stuff anyways, right? Like it's not, it's not like yeah. this is extra content that won't be in the main game, like a bravely default demo or something like that. This is, this is areas of the game that as soon as you boot it up and carry your progress over, that's the next thing you're doing. Right. So it's, it's all there for people picking up the game anyways. And I assume that if you're kind of milking every last drop out of this Pikmin four demo, you're probably picking up the game and you're really interested and excited to get into it. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it's cool. Like you, you can do all that stuff. Uh, just play, just just doing like as much as I could in the demo, and without going without going a little bit too too nuts or anything like that. Like it, it was certainly enough for me. But yeah, it's a it's a good demo. Like I I I want more demos like this for sure. Yeah, and they have been doing it. Like one of my other favorites of the year is um the Bayonetta Origins game, the Cereza one. And that one similarly gives you about 10% of the main campaign just to try for free before deciding if you want to commit to the whole thing, which I think is a, is a really smart decision for specifically Bayonetta Origins and Pikmin for kind of two reasons. Origins, because it's kind of a hard sell for a lot of people unless you try it because it doesn't look that good in the trailers, but it's a really fun game when you play it and Pikmin four, because I feel like that's been kind of a game that's been underachieving sales wise, despite being very high quality and cozy and, and three and, and it seems four, especially being pretty accessible, fun action adventure games Mm -hmm. with a little bit of strategy. And I feel like giving players that, one hour, two hours, especially when I would say the average Nintendo gamer is probably way more online savvy than they were 
in the Wii U era, Wii era. Yeah. I think that's probably very smart for the the future sales potential of Pikmin Four, but that could just be in my own head. I might not know what I'm talking about. No, I no, I think I think you're right, Alex. And again, I think because the Switch is kind of a departure from you know obviously the Wii U, you know that didn't work out. So you had there's this great game Pikmin Three that was on the Wii U, um, and a lot of people probably missed out on it, right? So going to Pikmin Four on the Switch, it's the first game you know designed with a Switch in mind. I think having a meaty demo like this to remind people, okay, hey, this series is really great. Uh, if you haven't tried it out, like this is your chance to play a significant portion of the game, relatively speaking, for free, and to you know either rekindle that interest if you're if you're you know someone who maybe started on the GameCube, for instance, uh, or to just get all these new fans into a series that um, I, I don't know. I, I think is a very underrated one, or just mm-hmm. not maybe not as talked about as much. But but I have a I have a lot of fondness for these games. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I just ran through the trilogy since the direct came out, which I mean I do I can go insane if I like get like into a, into a new game that I hadn't played before. Mm-hmm. But Pikmin, it's not even too bad because Pikmin one is like a seven hour game. Pikmin two is like a nine ten hour game. Pikmin three is like a seven eight hour game. Yeah, and so they were very easy and breezy to run through in let's say a week. Um, and it was interesting having that fresh experience going into Pikmin 4 because I, I did see the new stuff and I could see it was going for its own thing, which is which is cool because all the Pikmin games do their own thing. Like Pikmin yes, 1 yes. has its 30-day thing. Pikmin 2 has the underground focus. Pikmin 3 is more of a straightforward action-adventure thing. And Pikmin 4 really feels like it's incorporating a lot of those ideas. Um, the treasure stuff in 1 is a is a thing the underground stuff in two Mm -hmm. uh in three it's definitely a more casual action adventure but i would say they they might even push that further with the amount of dialogue that's in it and the sort of daily fruit harvesting soft requirement that pikmin 3 had to give it the the even like the hint of a stressful game seems to be completely gone so it's just a pretty laid back action adventure thing now. And then on top of that, you add the new features, which is uh, Ochi, the dog, who's extremely cute yes. and gives you the ability to uh, have this giant dog who can ram enemies and then ram enemies and fling Pikmin onto them and then also be like a traversal vehicle amount, which I think the game actually describes it as. Yes, is a I mount. <laughs> That's right. I, I love yeah. I love that you can ride OJ. I mean, that that's that is peak, you know, uh, cuteness yeah, peak, peak and utility, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then and then it seems like there's going to be some nighttime or nighttime adjacent stuff to to add on to that. And then you also have the Pikmin three visuals uh, knocked up a notch, which looks like kind of like this retro fiction, this retro science fiction I spy book look with like these very realistic ish objects, which I mean, it's the switch. So it's not the most powerful thing in the world, mm-hmm. but, but like it still looks very, very nice. Um, and, and so it, it really does seem like a best of, of like Pikmin one, two, three, but with, you know, a crafting system, the dog, and then, um, some nighttime stuff on top. Like it I, I seems like, like how, it seems like a lot of lessons at once. Sorry. 
I, sorry, I was just going to say, I like how, you know, the Switch, you know, games series where their, their entry has come to the Switch, they, they've had this um, tendency to include levels or areas based on like real life, right? Like you have you have mm-hmm. the, the parts of Pikmin here where they seem to take place inside a, a, a person's home or some, someone's house. In Mario Odyssey, you had Mario like, you know, in, in New Donk City kind of interacting with in theory human beings uh i had another example of one too and i i, I lost it but I th- there's another switch game uh maybe a prominent one where you had areas of like the real world the real world incorporated in a game that hadn't really been seen before so it's just a, that one of those funny kind of tropes or themes that uh w- that has happened with the switch of bringing the real world into these kind of fantasy areas or sci-fi kind of areas um, mm-hmm. And I, I like that kind of Pikmin's doing that as well. And it, it's so nice to you know, have all four Pikmin games on Switch too is really great. I like when an entire series is represented on one console. It's like, okay, like if I get really into this, I can do all of it, you know? Um, I don't know that Hey Pikmin is ever going <laughs> to come to Switch, yeah. you know? You know, the Stranger Things maybe, but uh, at least the four mainline games being there is great. Yeah, I, I think Bayonetta, the same thing happened where you can play all four Bayonetta games on there. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing there's there's probably I mean, a lot of Mario games, obviously not everyone. But if you want to play a mainline Mario game, you can probably play 85 percent of them. Yeah, uh, maybe 75. But oh, Kirby and the Forgotten saying. Land was the one I was thinking of where oh, ne- yep. you've gone from a fantasy Kirby land to he's actually in the in, in a pseudo real world now. Right. So that, that was the other big one, a game that came to switch. And now, you know, they're making use of the real world and putting their characters in that kind of situation to to create a new adventure. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I also like, well, I can appreciate the criticism people have that like, they're like, ah, Pikmin four is like a little bit talky and it seems like they're going a little far away from the run based, um, vibe that Pikmin one, two, and, and even three attempted to have. But I will say, even though it did feel like a tiny bit talky at times at the beginning, I did the writing that was there was quite nice. And I liked that we got to see more of, Olimar's planet, I think Hokate, it's called. That's that sounds familiar, yeah. Like we got to see a little more of that of that lore. Like, okay, they have bureaucracy just like the real world has. Like these these characters are like I, I feel like the characters that they did introduce were like, oh, like I know this guy at my job. I know this type of person <laughs> yes, at my job. Right, like right. like it's 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 very like relatable workplace vibe to the to the rescue squad i know here's colin he colin does this thing like if you want if you need help with this thing go and see him he's the engineer like (laughs) you know very they're they're uh characterized by their role you know their role in the in the squad right that's the thing they do (laughs) and outside of that there's not a lot of like depth to them right it was yeah colin was definitely the engineering like mechanically focused uh brain you had the boss. I, f- I forget her name. Yeah, she did have um, she did have some character to her, right? Like she's kind of you know manipulating. Well, she was like the strung up manager. She was like a high strung manager type. I right, feel like. but then but also maybe a little bit cowardly. You know, kind of kept. She was client when you find her. She's at the top of that pole, kind of like, and then they got the three bugs underneath too. So maybe not the the bravest soul in the in the group, but sure. And yeah. then the scientist is like is like every like tech guy you know it like your office where That's like right. he'll just go off in his own corner um and just like barely acknowledge you as a person yeah, don't don't bug him he's working you know that that yeah you know, that type sure 
exactly. So it's it's cute. I think it's cute. I think I think there it will remain to be seen. Like, is this a little talky? Is it a little more casual? And does it give up a little bit too much of the stress from earlier Pikmin games? But but I I think in the meantime, I'm like I'm I'm kind of salivating for this game a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think by the by the time you get to the fourth entry in a series, I think you're allowed to get a little bit more talky or more into the lore. You know, like sure, if you because you, you you think about the fans who have played the other three games, you're like, okay, you keep coming back for this gameplay. What else can we give you? We can give you a little bit of background on these characters, these worlds, this 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 universe that you know will help inform your experience with the earlier games, right? I I, I welcome stuff like that for sure. I think that. People that have been really invested in these games, I'm sure. Again, you can you can skip through or just ignore some of the dialogue, um, and then. But if, for those who want that background, want those gaps filled in, you know, hey, it's there. Yeah. All right. Very cool. We got we got about 25 minutes of Pikmin for, for nice. good people, and then uh, next week, me and Perry are talking about Pikmin three. We're doing an I demand you, so so be sure to 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 play that for for next week any any who feel so inclined um and then next up i want to talk about the game you've been playing jordan sure because i because you know why um is because i'm looking at this game and i feel like we're a semi kindred spirit Hmm. where i'm on a podcast with two people who will turn up their nose at japanese (laughs) storytelling with even a hint of anime to it yeah and and you have a game a new game uh made by a company ran by like two of the best storytellers in this kind of medium yeah and and so so that's why i want to hear about uh your your next game jordan which is master detective archives rain code Yes. So Master Detective Archives rank code from the creators of the Danganronpa games, uh, mm-hmm. which are now on Switch, all three of them, um, including that uh, kind of extra fourth game, which I think is like a board game or something like that. I didn't, I didn't have a chance to play that one. But at mm-hmm. any rate, Danganronpa and Master Detective Archives rank code, they're kind of um, mystery narrative adventure games where you are... Uh, exploring a world trying to solve solve mysteries solve crimes solve murders um specifically master detective archives you play the role of yuma coco head uh the names are ridiculous as you might expect uh from from, from this series uh so you you are a trainee detective from the world detective organization uh he's he has amnesia uh, as you know uh, we've seen a lot of games maybe like this or a lot of japanese games um <laughs> And so you you begin by you're you're basically knocked out and you you waken in this lost and found room, uh, and you're you're you you go to catch a train to this uh, this new area this Kenai Kenai uh, district this Kenai city. Um, you get on the train and immediately kind of a, a mystery starts. Uh, you meet some fellow detectives who are also going to the city. They've been invited by the World Detective Organization for some reason. This great, maybe this great mystery to solve for all of them, this global mystery. 
Um, and what happens right off the bat, in it, the, the game starts you in chapter zero, um, is basically you, you find that these other detectives are, are are murdered right away. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're immediately thrown into the thick of things. As soon as you meet these characters, they, they're all killed. And you're, you're, you start off trying to figure out this, this mystery. Um, there's a ghost following you uh, at all times that you meet very early on. Uh, Shinigame, I think her name is. Um, she ends up representing kind of the Monokuma character from the Danganronpa games. She's the, but she's a little bit more ever present, uh, a little bit more of your guide and mentor as opposed to tormentor. Um, and so she kind of leads you through, through the mystery, kind of helping you get your detective legs under you. Um, as you go from like room to room in this train, trying to, you know, collect clues, uh, you pick up these keys that are used later during the kind of trial or, um, I guess the, the sequence where you're trying to solve the solve the murder in earnest. So you kind of have the game divided into narrative sections, investigation sections, and then kind of a more of a trial sequence where you're putting all the pieces together. Uh, again, it's going to feel very similar gameplay wise to the Danganronpa games. And I, I think that's a good thing. If you like those games, you instantly get the sensibilities of those thrown into this one. Um, rather than being like a student uh, as part of, a, you know, someone part of a group, you're in a school, you're trapped there. Like the Danganronpa games, you are the the world is not necessarily more open, but it just feels like you're maybe part of something bigger as opposed to just this smaller group who is trapped. Mm-hmm. You are you're an individual who gets you know off the train, you get into the city, and you're working against like these larger forces, like this corporation, the Amaterasu Corporation, I think they're called. They kind of have a vice grip over this city space that you're in. Uh, they have a um, a, a military force, the, this peacekeeper group who you're kind of trying to avoid and who seem to be wanting to sweep things under the rug. Uh, but when you get into the city space, you know, the story opens up a little bit more. There's side quests you get to go on. They're, they're, they're quite menial, actually, but, um, you know, they're there to maybe give you more points to uh, unlock more skills for Yuma to help you out in the um, uh, the, the trial uh, sections of the game. Um, so I'm digging it so far. I'm... I'm uh, after chapter zero, there's a, a small prologue where you get a little bit of story. You meet some new detectives, and once you get off the train, uh, the, these ones have they haven't been all killed yet or something, so you get to know them a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, one in, one ends up even becoming like a sidekick to you. Uh, there's a lot of humor. I think the game is is pretty light. Like, yeah, the, it, I shouldn't say that. It's it it has maybe more distinct levity or lightness parts to it, and then the darker parts where you you, you discover the murder and you're trying to go about solving that. Um, it's got the kind of uh, what Danganronpa has, like pink blood uh, as opposed to you know red blood. So you get that you know, the more comic, colorful side to it, uh, that way of kind of making it more of like a fantasy game, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really digging it. I like the characters, I like the writing. Uh, most of the writing, if almost all of it is voiced, which is great. Uh, I love to see that in a game like this. Uh, the characters are pretty endearing. I, I like the artwork. Uh, I will say that in terms of uh, Switch performance, um, the game runs okay, but the resolution, at least in handheld, not great. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. muddy textures. So um, if you're able to look past that, uh, I think it's easy to get into this game uh, for fans of this genre. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm fully I'm fully on board. I'm, I'm looking forward to con- completing the review, getting through this game. I don't know how long it is, but I'm right at the end of, I guess, the, the first chapter of the second murder 
Uh, and I thought, I thought, you know, this literally just before recording, five minutes before recording, I thought I would reach the end of the trial, but it ended up keep going after I, uh, I found out who the murderer was. So um, the the trial sequences are quite in depth, and I'm I'm really uh, really digging those. You know, if you if you like the Ace Attorney games, there's a lot of that DNA in this one as well. It, so this is developed by Two Q Games, which yep. is the new i mean it's probably like six years old at this point 2017 i think was the name when they spun off yeah yeah uh which is kodaka who's the writer series producer blah 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 of danganronpa um but one of the other big people at this company is i think his name's pronounced ukiyoshi ukiyoshi i should i should know this um but he's the guy who does the ai games he did into the 999 trilogy um and he's another sort of big uh, character at this mm. studio. But it seems like this is more Kodaka's uh, joint. Um, That's the sense I'm getting, yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember those games were about the Danganronpa. So I never played three, okay. which is the one that's that's polarizing. But mm. I did play one and two. Um, and my And what I remember of those is that they're about low 20s, hour count wise. That sounds and, about and, right. Yeah. 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 I think so. And, and everything you're saying sounds very Danganronpa because Danganronpa is like, you have these teenagers who are murdering each other, um, which is like depressing enough, but then you take the context of that world, which I'm not going to say. And then you're like, okay, this is, this is a little much, but you add that with a lot of like very light anime levity and some, like some really good, let's say shown in broadly anime tropes mm. and um and it ends up being like a pretty pleasant experience both of those games so which sounds pretty much like what's what's happening here and and i and it's it's launching at 60 bucks yeah and i don't think i can do that right now for this <laughs> yeah but i do think that when this hits like 30 mm -hmm. i think i'd be all in like it looks really cool it trailered really well and it, i totally see what you're saying about like it, it being a little a little up and down on uh switch visually mm -hmm. um but yeah I, it looks good i i think that there's less of the at least to my, to my experience so far there's less of that relationship stuff that happens in danganronpa like in danganronpa you have moments areas times in the game sections of the game where you're just going out and hang out with the, the other people getting to know them you know uh, learning a little bit more about them kind of exploring your surroundings the, at least so far there seems to be less of that and more maybe getting to know the the area and less the people in it you know so there, mm -hmm. there are other detectives there are you know, npcs people about town are giving you kind of a side quest and you're, you're learning about the different areas but there's it seems to be more of a focus on the central narrative or these central mysteries that you're trying to solve um maybe learning more about the, the the central villains of the game or the even the world detective organization as a whole like what what are why have they sent you here you know what are what is what is their objective you know why are people working from them even try to figure out about yuma because he because he's an, uh, an amnesiac he doesn't you know he doesn't know why he even wanted to become a detective in the first place and all these detectives have special powers as well so he's trying to figure out what his power is they're called fortes that let them do something special, something fantastical or magical that helps them be, be a better detective. So he's trying to figure out that what that power is for him as well. Um, 
the fact that you kind of stop time when you go into these trial phases, the, the, the time stops for everybody else except for you when you're in this, this other world where you're trying to kind of put together all the, you, you go, you're going back to the crime scenes, you're figuring out how did the, how did the culprit get in here? How was the, how was the murder conducted? You know, you and then you're, you're almost fighting like little battles. It, it, it is very similar to those, those action-y sequences from Danganronpa, but there's, I guess there's more of a, detective spin on it as opposed to kind of like an amateur sleuth. It's a little bit more formal, maybe, you know, in how you're putting together all the pieces. And I, I like that. I, I like detective style games. I think that this one is, is a good one. Um, it might end up being very meaty. Like you, there might be, you know, half a dozen chapters or something, would, which would put this over the 20 hour mark for sure into the 30 to 40 hour mark is even possible. I ha- I know reviews have come out for the game I'm, uh, because I'm reviewing it. I haven't really looked into those yet. But I could see this being definitely closer to the length of the third Danganronpa game or more, uh, just based on what I've played so far. So um, maybe a little bit darker in tone overall, um, just because you're not kind of buddy-buddy with everybody. Uh, but it does have those those lighter moments with, again, this uh, Shinigami character, who, who hilariously, uh, when you go into the uh, trial phase or the when you're really trying to put together all the pieces, she turns into like this like a almost like a sailor moon type character in terms of her mm-hmm. outfit or transformation <laughs> there's a lot of tongue in cheek stuff like references to other games there'll be one where uh she asks you to kind of name her teleportation ability and you can choose between zoom and evac but one of the letters in each of those names is is an asterisk and said as supposedly not <laughs> to like rip off dragon warrior dragon quest you know and there's yeah. other there's throwbacks to the danganronpa games as well it's just, just a lot of inside jokes that if you know japanese developed games and series like you're going to pick up on those and it's going to be a little bit more enjoyable for you so yeah it's it, I, I i'm i'm really digging it it's 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 definitely up my alley um i'd I'd forgotten it a little bit because it's, it's the summer of games here. You know, we're just kind of inundated with stuff in June and, and July coming up too. So especially June. Uh, so for this to come out at the end of June uh, and for us to get kind of the, a launch day code for it, I, I'd almost forgotten about it a little bit. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, I'm, I'm eager to see how it ends up. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's very cool. Should I should I play Danganronpa three? I have it on PlayStation four. Yeah, but I um because it's not a handheld device i've just i've been struggling to actually get to it yeah see i i played three on vita i might have even had i might have even bought it physically like one of the one of the last it came out on vita i know (laughs) it was one one of the last vita releases and i i got it physically from from gamestop at some point um maybe through like a trade-in deal or something like that i'd wanted to play it because my wife had got into the series as well so we'd both played the first two games and we're, we're looking forward to this third one. So it played through it on Vita. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have as much fondness for it. I think it, I think it's good. I think it's just a little bit too abstract in terms of trying to work in like kind of, oh, what's all the, what's all the background stuff that's happening and trying to explain the whole world of the game and premises and all that stuff. The, the, the Danganronpa just... lore was always the worst part of Danganronpa, I felt. And, and so I think this is, it leans more heavily into it. And that, that just, I, I wasn't as into it as much. Sure. But it does have still those familiar trappings and and kind of central gameplay that you like. So, yeah, I I still recommend playing it, but I wouldn't necessarily put it at the top of your playlist or something like that. I think you save it for, you know, maybe a a slower time. And I say slower time like that actually exists now. It doesn't. But um, yeah, I'd get to it at some point, Alex. But I, I think I think. You know, if you have a choice between Master Detective Archives and, and Danganronpa Three, man, I'm I'm 
pushing rank code on you uh, earlier right. than that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll look out for it then. Cause I, yeah. Danganronpa one, I thought was great. Um, but Danganronpa one or two, I feel the same way about, which is the story parts. Great. The game part is pretty good. And I feel like that's, that sounds like that's kind of the case with this too, based on reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyhow, uh, thanks thanks for talking about that. It's always good to have a new game. To, yeah, to yeah. I, and so I'll I'll have a full review of the game up on Nintendo World Report uh, probably in the next week to ten days. It just again, it just depends on how long this game is. I've been playing a couple hours every day, um, and just, it, it, it's it has been a a tough one to put down. Like I, I I don't think there are so many slower parts. I think you know every every kind of as the mystery as the central mystery gets going, like I feel like I'm even more engaged in the game. So um yeah yeah look forward to the review soon uh happy to share some impressions here and uh stay tuned for that excellent uh all right i got a couple quick bites the the first one is a code game we had an extra code for it no one had used it for a month on the site so i'm like ah i'll check this one out for the site uh or for the podcast and that's that's sifu uh which is a martial arts game, uh, kind of a roguelike thing from the developer, I think, of Absolver, which is also a very uh, combat-focused martial arts game. And and the, the premise here is that it's a very, like, uh, martial arts movie plot. Um, your, your master, who I think might be your dad, I forget the, the tutorial, <laughs> um, dies at the beginning of the game uh, during the tutorial and you're also killed, but because of some amulet you wake up, uh, you're like, and then you're like 20 years old. And the whole point of the game is five crime Lord bosses. I think it's five. You have to, you have to go through their level you have to kill them and then you go on to the next level. The the combat's very much a little like like Arkhamy, like it's very much like respond to the enemy attack and then attack them back, but this is a lot more technical, I would say. Like you're you're focusing a lot more on your your combos and and your your button presses and everything feels a little more exact, which I think is going to be a hit or miss for some people, but, but you go through a level, which is let's say 15, 20 minutes. Um, and then every time you die, you get older. So the first time you die, you'll age up one year and you'll be, let's say 21. And then the next time you die, your counter will increase to two. So then you'll become 23. And then the next time you'll be 27 and so on and so forth. Beating some enemies will bring that counter down. So you only gain, let's say, two years of your life instead of three years. Um, And then that keeps building up until you let's say reach, I think it's like over age 70 and then you just die and that's the end of your run. Um, And as you age up and get older, that's visible on your character, which is very cool because it's like you see this 20 year old become a a 50, 60, 70 year old Um, and your health sort of stamina goes down but your attack power goes up, which has uh, pros and cons. So uh, let's say you might get to a boss fight and you're age 56. You're dealing a lot more damage, but he might be able to take you out in, in one combo. So it's it gives you a lot to think about. And But it's a little more rogue lighty rather than rogue-like because 
Um, as you go through levels, you'll pick up like, let's say, key cards and keys that let you go through doors earlier in the level so you can skip major parts of a level and go straight to the boss. You can also restart um, a level at like your lowest age that you beat it at. So let's say you go through the first area and you get to age 50 and then you like die in the second area. You might go, I think I'm confident to go through the first area now. And then now you're age 35 instead. And that's a better area to start from next time you uh, lose um, and and your run ends. So, so, and then there's also some of that roguelike stuff where you'll pick up some, some upgrades for your run. There's currency you get that you can, uh, spend on upgrades and and the game's been updated a lot since it first came out on PlayStation 4 so you'll have like uh, multiple difficulties if you don't want it to feel so much like a roguelike um, there's sheets modifiers and advanced scoring there's a photo mode um, and then they also just put out an arenas expansion which are, are level-based challenges where uh, you might have a few waves of enemies and then um, you get ranked on that and that there's I think there's uh, stuff you can also get for that. Um, but I've been, I've been sort of focusing on the main campaign, so I haven't done the arena stuff too much. Anyways, the, the summary here is like, this is a two year old game. I'm pretty sure. Or, or maybe right. like a, yeah, yeah. A, a one year or two year. So it's like, it's a really good action game. Actually it was, it's it was def- last year. I remember it was part of game of discussion, game of the year discussion, I think in 2022. So. Okay. So like a right. year and a half old by this yeah. point. So there's a million reviews, including Nintendo World Reports. You can read it's a it's a it's a good action game, uh, right? It's it's technical, it's roguelikey, it demands a lot from you, and a lot of it is learning the controls and how best to parry enemies and their timing and all that stuff through dying over and over again, which is is soulsy, I guess, if you will. It's also it's also par for the course with this kind of genre. It's got like a good Hong Kong style to it. Everything looks good, feels good. The only thing is, if this seems like a game that would appeal to you based on reading the reviews and hearing me talk about it, don't play it on Switch. Um, because the, I, I forget who did the review for NWR. But I think it, it was Joel. It, I think it was Joel. But I, I actually, I he gave it a nine, which yeah. is I think this is fair. I, I stand by... Uh, all our reviews of course but one part i disagreed with was i think he said the frame rate uh dropped occasionally and i had a different experience personally um i found the frame rate basically unacceptable on switch (laughs) (laughs) for for a highly technical game i mean it i don't do you have a steam deck i don't actually know um well, if you have a Steam Deck and you try to run a game that's a little too powerful for it or isn't properly optimized, you'll get it at a very unstable 30 frames a second. We're like, yes, this is playable. Yes, I can play it. But it's dipping very visibly as soon as more enemies go on screen or you're in an environment that's busier. And I was able to play it. Like, I think I'm I'm pretty deep into the second area right now. And I've I've played for for a couple hours by this point. And I do really enjoy the video game. And I think it's it's a version of the game you can play if you have no other options. But it doesn't look very good uh, on Switch. Like, you can tell it's visually compromised to some extent. And it's not hanging at a tight 30, like I would say at all. Not unacceptably choppy, but it's not... Um, 
it's noticeably unstable, at least to me, someone who plays uh, a million games. Alex, a year. did you so- play it both handheld and docked? Because and I, I ask because I, I've noticed at least in the last game I reviewed Trails into Reverie, like there's a big difference performance wise depending on whether you played handheld or docked. I was actually shocked at how di- how much worse the experience was handheld compared to when I had it on the TV. That's a great point because I I only play handheld so most and of the time. Me too. Yeah, and so I, I had to kind of check myself now. Like I think some of these later Switch ports, you kind of have if if you want to comment on performance, I think you have to try it docked because it, it was night and day with Trails into Reverie, uh, an area that went from like so it was so bad that I I I, sw- I swapped between like the speed up mode and the non, and there was no difference in handheld. And then when I put it on the TV, that issue was completely gone. That's so, so very interesting. weird, right? Yeah, very weird. So, my, and, my, and so it, maybe Joel, maybe he, maybe he played mostly docked, and it could have been he, he you know, he maybe didn't test it on handheld as much, and so or, or you know, very little, and so the performance was was largely okay. Something to check out, anyways. Just a caveat for everybody out there. Yeah, and, and I'm not, I'm definitely not calling out Joel. Like he definitely no, no, no. played way more of the game than I did, which is like that's what's nice about playing for a podcast is that you like you try it and you you sort of get a feel for it and then hear my impressions. Sure, but, but I I think I think that's so interesting because Nintendo games I feel like have had the opposite happen lately yeah where the the handheld version feels like it's the only version that they actually developed in Mm. mind and that like i I think if i remember right scarlet and violet like ran worse on on yes i think that's right yeah i think that's right which is which is absolutely outrageous Uh, i wonder if they have data that suggests that more people are playing handheld and so that that's the version they that at least in nintendo they want to make sure that runs best but if you're if you're not nintendo and you're you're a, you're a third third party you're developing for switch you're like oh i'll just develop it more, thinking more about the docked version because that's closer to you know the ps4 or xbox one version in theory right yeah um so no, that's a good point maybe maybe i'll i'll check i'll check it and docked to your point but that that's very interesting if there's if we're stumbling onto a a third party it's worse on handheld and and first party it's it's worse on dock at least for me it's something i'm going to be checking going forward now that i just saw such a stark difference in from trails into reverie like master detective archives before i pen that review i'm definitely going to play an hour or two uh docked uh, as opposed to handheld which i'm doing now and just see see if there's a difference there that's what I'm curious about now that mm. you mentioned it, because you're talking about the, the the visuals being a little washed out. On, yeah, it, it, uh, it's very game. muddy, especially when the camera zooms out. Like the the art looks great, like the static art looks really good in Rain Code. But then when people are moving, that minute to minute moving around, or or just when the, when the camera zoomed out, you're kind of watching a scene play out. Uh, the the sprites, everything looks just washed out. So and it's and it's funny I say that because like the the city is very dark and everything is going to be muddy. There's a constant rain falling, hence the Rain Code part, I guess. And so it is quite a noticeable thing. So if moving to dock, it's it's much better there. I, I you know I'm not going to mark it down so much, right? And and although it is fair to say that um it's not it's our problem because we have to evaluate these games exactly. But yeah. but it's not the player's problem if they buy a game and the way they play it doesn't work right. Also, right. like yeah. that's the that's the uh, that's the other side of the coin mm-hmm. where because I. Like I live in a in a house where where uh, me and my wife share a TV, and I'm the only one who plays video games. So uh, if she wants to watch Ninety Day Fiance or whatever, then like I end up on a handheld. Like 
nearly all the time. Like it's a special occasion, like Final Fantasy 16. Hold if on, I'm let's, actually, let's like, not pretend that you're not the one also watching 90 Day Fiance. Don't don't pin this all on her. Okay. We, we... Well, okay. Here's here's the thing. I love 90 Day Fiance. Thank to you. be clear, <laughs> but it's it's um. Do you watch it? No, I don't. I, 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 my mom, my mom does. I think my wife has seen it before. My sister watches it. So they're it, in the family. I hear talk of it for sure. No, it's it's a good show, but it's and it, and I know you're teasing, but, but it also <laughs> speaks to the reality of like if you're married or let's say you have roommates and you're living, or in your case, you have a couple a couple kids and you're like and you have a very limited number of of big screens to use at any given time, and that's that's paired with the fact that that uh, Jordan, I think we're reasonable people who like spending time with our families. So it's hard to get like actual TV dedicated TV time. Yes, I would yes, say this is fair. <laughs> this is fair. Um, but, but there you go. My, my, uh, asterisk recommendation pending, um, television, which I'm actually going to check is, is, uh, Sifu. If you have a choice, I'd probably recommend it on a different platform than than Switch, which is probably good advice for any game that's on Switch and other things. I mean, it just depends on whether you're so attached to playing handheld or not. And I, I think it sounds like you and me are kind of in that same boat of like, if, if the majority of the time we're playing handheld, I think we're willing to make that sacrifice. You know, like I, it's yeah. not just games for review. Like I, if I see that a game I want to play is on multiple consoles, because of the because of the the household dynamic, I, the, the getting on the TV is just a little bit trickier. I would rather have it on handheld and just accept that sacrifice, unless it unless it's a major major downgrade. Uh, and I, and there aren't too many games where I think that's the case. I, I'm willing to stomach it. Um, I'll I'll grab the Switch version almost all the time. Sure, I, I I'm the same way. Yeah. If it's a 2D indie. I'll usually go Switch because it's OLED. Yeah. If it's a 3D game, I'll go Steam Deck because it just runs way better. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the other, the last thing I'm going to talk about, which I'll, I won't spend too much time on because it's a, it's a VR game, um, but it is a game I just finished yesterday called No More Rainbows. This is also a quick fight. Uh, it is um, a collectathon first person platformer in VR. Um, which is not the typical format of platformer you see in virtual reality, right? You see, you see the diorama type, you see your moss, you see uh, Lucky's tail, you see uh, you're sort of the, the God figure on the outside, looking down at, at your characters playing the platform. But, but let, let me ask you this first. Do you have any VR experience of your own? Not, I don't, I don't own any VR uh, headsets. Uh, the only time I, I, so I've played them a couple times, either at, you know, going to PAX or something like that, or going to like a VR cafe near my place. And, and, you know, I go with a couple buddies and we'll play some shooting games, play some, uh, the Mario party type style games there. But other than, and it, it's been a while since I've done that. It, it's just not, I, I like it. I find the VR you know, if you go and like just kind of rent out a room or rent out a set, it's pretty expensive. And then mm-hmm. the headsets, like I just don't have the real estate at home to get that it, that would make it reasonable. Not not just the kids, but as I think about our room setups, I just don't have rooms with like a ton of space to get comfortable and and play VR. So it's not something I've I've done a ton of. Just just very much dabbled, I would say. I I feel the same way. So so right now, like my wife and I, we don't have any kids, but like we're in a ranch, like a three bedroom ranch. One of them is the guest room. Uh, presumably, if if a kid happens and that and that kid gets the room that's currently the VR room, mm. which is just an empty bedroom right now. 
but like i do feel like as like a, a married guy like you sort of <laughs> virtual reality is sort of a hard hobby yeah. to make work when you also have children i imagine um but i have a meta quest 2 which i feel like is the most usable vr headset because it has um no cable attached to it um so so it's room scale so you sort of just go into an empty room uh you use a line on the controller to draw like let's say a six foot space around you um and then as you get closer to that border it sort of appears to sort of this grid wall appears to show you you're out of bounds which is which is i think the only acceptable way for me to do vr like i'm not hooking up cables i'm not hooking up anything um psvr too i don't care what game comes out on it i can't buy it because a cabled vr just sounds unbearable to me um but metaquest is, is good um games are expensive but i i have fun with it i use it for exercise a lot there are mm. a lot of good exercise apps on it yeah i've seen um, i've seen videos like that uh, maybe tiktok or instagram seeing advertisements for vr fitness games and like they, they look quite engaging like i if i was gonna if i had a vr set i, I would definitely get into some of those titles like it, it looks like a good workout it definitely is like there are some like there's one called Les Millis, which is like an exercise, like a Peloton style workout, but just applied to to VR. Like you're punching like uh, orbs that come up and yeah. you're ducking and you're sort of weaving. It's it's sort of the stuff you'd expect. My other favorite one is Thrill of the Fight, which is a boxing game, um, which you basically draw your space and that becomes the ring. And you're basically uh, dodging and weaving against CPU opponents. Um, some of them can get pretty difficult. And what happens is if you take Thrill of the Fight, which actually does a good job of simulating the exercise of boxing, even if it's not necessarily a, a one-to-one thing, you end up burning a, a, a crap ton of calories mm. like in a, in a pretty short amount of time. Like my Apple Watch will regularly read like 550, 600, like... Um, just from like 30 minutes or whatever that's really Um, that's solid yeah that's really solid but anyways they're one of the most popular games in vr right now is this game called gorilla tag which is a low poly social space tag game where you're a gorilla and as and as you know like gorillas they kind of walk partially with their arms um and the way that works is you sort of uh move your arms like they're uh like skis almost Um, And that's how you sort of walk around. Now, the reason I'm saying this is that No More Rainbows takes that concept of using your arms to sort of sling yourself around a jungle gym and it applies it to a -a collect-a-thon four-world platformer where you star as like a Bowser-like dude and the uh and you're like in, you're like chilling in your world of lava he's not even a villain he's like he's a pretty cute guy um and the villain who comes in is like this toxic positivity guy who kind of looks like the mascot from like the outer worlds um and you go to four worlds one's like a plains one's an ice world one's like a a cloud world and then there's another one and you go around you have to beat five levels and a boss and there's a hub world so it's kind of it's a little bit mario 64 and the whole game is played as a first person platformer where using like this sort of uh gorilla locomotion you're slinging yourself around these uh these platformer levels and it works awesome is is the is the point here um 
Because you, you, it's it's always like, how do you do a platformer in VR without getting sick? And like the sort of solution has always been to do the diorama thing. But if you do this gorilla style control where you're leaping yourself around and like using your hands to, let's say, climb onto platforms, that has a few impacts. Like one, it's a way more physical experience. So you're, you, you really feel like you're the one who's uh, beating the level. Uh, two, it's just, it's very like exhilarating to just, uh, fling through the air and three, um, it doesn't feel compromised in the same way, like other platformers in VR do. And, and, and so it's like, it's like, I, I think it's like a four star out of five, like it's an eight out of 10, like game, like the platforming's pretty good. Level design's pretty good. Uh, there's a difficulty spike that was a little annoying, but it's like six hours of like really good platforming design for 20 bucks um which is also available on steam and it uses this locomotion system that i was popularized by this game gorilla tag um that i really think is going to define the way a lot of vr platformers are going forward like it feels like it's a low-key mario 64 moment potentially for this highly specific subgenre of platformer and that's that's the only reason why i wanted to bring it up here yeah i i i, I platformer is just not a genre i've ever really tried in vr so I, I can't speak to it at all but i will now that you've mentioned it alex we'll keep a keep an eye out for this no more rainbows game and uh as soon as when when, when they do compare it to mario 64 you will be the person i make sure they credit for for that uh that assertion <laughs> It's the Mario 64 <laughs> of video games. That's right. That's right. <laughs> never, never heard that before. <laughs> Anyways, uh, there's there's all the games we're talking about. We're going to close this out on a little bit of poll time. Poll results time. Uh, all right. Today's poll time is what is your most anticipated Switch game coming out in the back half of 2023? If not listed here. Uh, please reply with your answer. I should have figured out what the other answers were. I'm, I'm opening it up right there, right now. But the four answers are Pikmin 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Super Mario RPG, and WarioWare Move It as the four most anticipated games coming out in the back half of 2023. There are others. There's the Pokemon DLC. There's Detective Pikachu 2. Um, I think there's probably one or two obvious ones I'm also thinking of. Um, but out of these four, or if you have a different answer, what is your most anticipated uh, Switch game? Of the so I of voted year? in the poll for Super Mario RPG, um, and I was kind of basing that on my reaction to the announcement in the direct. Like when this came up, I lost my mind. I couldn't believe that we were getting this. I, you know, I'd heard the rumors of a Super Nintendo game being remade. Uh, and, you know, maybe it probably crossed my mind that it could be this game, but I didn't really believe that uh, was going to happen. The, just the seeing, you know, Malo, Gino, Booster, these characters again that I just absolutely adore. Like Mario, Super Mario RPG is one of my all time favorite games, without a doubt. Big Super Nintendo kid over here. So you know, I, I adored all the RPGs on that console. So for this one to get a remake, it looks so good. It looks very faithful to the original um, it's kind of exactly what I would want out of a remake of this game. I think uh, we'll we'll see what the final product ends up being, but I'm I'm absolutely stoked for this game. I can't wait for it. Uh, and as, as as excited as I am about Super Mario Brothers Wonder, 
I it's still that that's a 2D Mario game to me, and I'll, I will enjoy that. Um, but I, I think Super Mario RPG is just it's too near and dear to my heart for me to not vote for vote for it here in the pool. I'm, I'm super excited for RPG too. Yeah. I, I I it's one of my own my big blind spots for the Mario RPG genre. Mm. Like the only two I hadn't played, or the only three I hadn't played, are Mario RPG color splash which i tried but just couldn't get into yeah and then paper jam which i just i also just couldn't <laughs> get yeah. into yeah and but i've i actually i loved superstar saga as a kid but a few months ago i finally replayed that to finally beat it because that final boss fight is uh is a wretched difficulty spike mm. for as amazing of a game as that is and and mario rpg is the one that i had always like had sitting on the back burner of like i'll get to it at some point i'll get to it at some point and now that it's coming out like i'm getting a physical copy of this one day one Heck like yeah. it looks yeah. it's a it's a really gorgeous remake and then uh i was at my cousin's house the other day and they have like a giant lg 4k oled whatever mm. and then that, that i i actually watched the trailer on that because i was showing my cousin some of the the trailers from the direct and, mm. and man it's it's gonna be a really really pretty switch game um, I think it's in that sweet spot to really sing on the the OLED. Oh, um, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, yeah, th- this art style is going to really take advantage of the OLED, which is it, that's that's the switch people are buying now, right? It makes sense, you know, kind of to come out with a game like this near the end of the lifespan. You have so many people buying the OLED, maybe picking it up along with this game, um, a remake of a game. I think a lot of people have nostalgia for. Uh, if you if you were again, if you were a Super Nintendo kid. This was probably one of those games that you you, you remember you thought about. Um, I remember having the player's guide for this game. It was a glorious player's guide too, it an official one. It was great. Um, but yeah, this, this I mean, it's a good pull. Like all all of these games, I think are going to be good. Uh, even WarioWare Move It being a sequel, the, the Japanese name is is something like uh, Super Smooth Moves, right? It's a direct sequel to the Wii game, which I loved. I thought that was a great party game. Um, if this one can capture half of what the Wii game was doing, I think it's going to be, uh, I, I think it'll be a hit. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited for Pikmin 4. We talked about that, obviously, already. Uh, move it. Uh, uh, yeah, and then RPG is, is a must. And Wonder, Wonder looks, I mean, we got to talk about this game. I love the art style. I love the choice. I think that going wacky with the next Mario Brothers game made a ton of sense. You know, it, it, it's, it's a, a stark departure from the new series you know it's not it's not kind of just it's joe it's just co-op and more of the same that we've gotten for so long it's the, the coin getting extra coins isn't the gimmick here co-op you know we're using the wii u game pattern at the gimmicks the gimmick is these were these were levels are going to change in ways you don't expect you know you're going to pick up a, a power up and pipes are going to come to life you know the, the screen's going to turn black and, and you're going to be a silhouette like I, I love i love what it's doing and we've only seen a glimpse of this game Mm-hmm. I, I ended up choosing Super Mario Bros. Wonder, not because I'm, I'm I'm very excited for Super Mario RPG and especially Pikmin 4, uh, but Super Mario Bros. Wonder, I have a weird relationship to the new Super Mario Bros. series, which I feel like a lot of Nintendo fans do, where it's, I wish the art style was different, yeah, but I yeah. will absorb one of these every time they come out right even new super mario bros 2 i i really love the original ds game even though i know people are sort of up and down on it um 
but with Super Mario Bros. Wonder, the fact that it's a new high quality 2D Mario game, the fact that it looks really different and the the animation just just looks looks tremendous across the board. The fact that it's going for a weird thing, the platforming we saw looked really fun and 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 just just all all put together like even though the flowers seemed a little annoying in the trailer and I'm like <laughs> yeah. a little bit I'm a little bit we'll see on that, yeah. right? But but just the fact that we're getting new 2D Mario content just made it sort of a de facto this is the thing i need to play i thought that last scene with the flower being like hey and then you kick the goomba and he's like oh <laughs> I, I like i like that yeah. they might react to things you do in the world that, sure. that, that that's going to lead to some comedy for sure um there, there's an irony to this game dropping the new moniker but being the newest or freshest mario game in, in <laughs> a, dec- a decade plus right like uh, wonder it's yeah I, I think this game is going to really surprise us and I, I i can't wait to see the the elephant mario like what what does he do like what is that what's that power up going to entail <laughs> you know continuing in the vein of of animal themed mario suits is great uh but yeah i'm I, it's, it's obviously a day one purchase it's just like i would i went into the direct expecting a new 2d super mario brothers game that seemed like kind of the worst kept secret with the movie coming out and all, all the uh you know all the billion dollars plus that it's made uh, a new 2d mario game at the end of the switch lifespan kind of made sense um but mario rpg just just it's a shock factor alone uh, put it slightly above wonder for me uh but it's going to be a great one-two punch for them in the fall without a doubt Sure. And I, and I think in a year where Zelda's already come out, this is the perfect lineup to close out the year, right? Yeah. You don't, if there's a new, it's not EAD Tokyo anymore, but whatever the new 3D Mario team game, the new Koizumi joint is, um, I would call it ill-advisable to put it out this year. I would, yeah. yes, of course, in a year where Zelda already came out. But I think Mario Wonder is a really big game, but the right kind of big game to mm-hmm. pair with your prestige open world Zelda that I'd released four months prior. Like, like wonder is the game that's going to appeal to, to kids, to, to teens, to adults, to everybody. It has that more wider appeal than, than tears of the kingdom has, right? Like, yes, we know how many copies breath of the wild sold, but that's still not really a game for kids to play. Whereas wonder, you know, it's got that co-op aspect. It's got like the, the cute kind of charming visuals. Like this is a, it's a family game through and through, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's going to be able to get it, to get into this one. Um, I was going to ask you, Alex, you, like, I'm just looking at this lineup. We're talking about some games, you know, coming out in the back half. This feels this year for Nintendo in terms of first party releases, it feels pretty close to what came out in 2017. You know, it's a it's a it's a really good year kind of thinking about mm-hmm. what's come out and what's coming next. Like, this is a big year for them. I, I think so, too. But but I Furukawa is the current CEO, right? Yeah. Anyways, I think it was him who was talking uh, a couple years ago, basically saying that the switch had like a pretty good amount of life left. Yeah. And I totally buy it. I mean, I think we're getting the switch in 2025 is what's I'm maybe early, maybe mid, maybe end of the year. I, or maybe late 2024. I don't know. Yeah. But I think what this year is showing is that there's still a lot of juice in the switch tank, especially if you're a Nintendo, which makes, 
art first games of a certain scale, which is appropriate to this kind of system. Yeah. Um, like in, in, in the first half of the year, let's not forget a lot of the other stuff that came out. Like you got, you had a fire emblem, then the next big fire emblem, which is a major Nintendo franchise now for some yes, reason. For sure. <laughs> I, 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 I love fire emblem, but you also know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, of course. And then, uh, and then you have the Xenoblade DLC, which for some reason, again, I love Xenoblade, is a major Nintendo franchise, kind of. I mean, maybe it doesn't sell a ton, but it it feels like it has some some punching weight. There was a lot of excitement uh, about that DLC, given that it was kind of calling back to the earlier games, right? Like, there, there was a lot of hype around that. Yep. Um, and then you have Pokemon DLC and... and Return to and Dreamland Deluxe. Like, Return to Dreamland bayonetta barely counts as worth listing yeah. even though it's one of my favorites of the year advanced it's, wars they, one and two finally comes out <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah the world is ready yes that's right <laughs> so it's it's i i agree with you i think it's a killer year it's for the year. switch i think yeah. i think it's probably it's probably the best since 2017 that's I think, I, that's what i'm thinking that's what i'm thinking i mean we'll see how these the, the, the next six months how these games pan out but I think we have a pretty good sense that, you know, these are going to be pretty popular games and they're going to sell millions of copies. Like I'd, I'd be surprised if, if these, if Pikmin 4, uh, Wonder and, and RPG don't do quite well, you know, I think they're positioned and so many people have a switch console now, 120 plus units out there. Like there's a lot of people to buy these games. There's a lot of people who've maybe been waiting for a new, a, a brand new 2d Mario game to come out and this is their chance. Right. Yeah, and and I know game of the year doesn't matter, and it's like it's a thing we all do to to sort of uh, stave off oblivion, right? Uh, but <laughs> but it's thinking about game of the year. Um, you have Zelda, which is like, oh, I played seventy hours of that in like ten days. That was such a good game. Yeah. But then you look at Pikmin Four, and you're like, that looks really good too. And then you look at Mario Wonder, and you're like, that looks really good too. And we still don't know a lot about Mario RPG and what they're doing with the remake, and that looks really good too. And then you have Starfield, and then you have all these other games. Yeah. And it's uh, it's it's a, it's a killer killer year. Is is. It, 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 it's not a good year for for people's backlogs it's not a good year for going no. back into the into the into the old pile and picking the game out you just don't have you don't have time because every month it feels like has multiple games that are really worth playing on on you know a variety of platforms and so many people own a playstation 5 and a switch or or a steam deck and an xbox series x or something you have all these multi-platform households that are being inundated with new games every month. And it's, it's really tough to, you know, you get that feeling of, of that, that FOMO of, you don't, you don't want to miss the big game. And so you never go back to your, your backlog. And this is just not a, not a good year, not a, not a good year for catching up with that. Right. Like it's really, really solid, I think. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but anyways, here's, here's what they actually voted for. We got 155 votes um, in last place. We got WarioWare Move It with 0.6% of the vote, which I'm guessing is probably one or two people. Um, and in fact, it may be pseudonym in the uh, in the chat who said his his most anticipated is Star Ocean, the second story. Yes, are. I remember reading that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was cute. He or they, but maybe he uh, or maybe they. <laughs> For now, I'm content being the one WarioWare vote. Um, was saying that because he he has a male avatar. It doesn't. Matter. I mean, I I don't want to sell move it short. I think it, it looks good. I, I like the idea of you know getting your whole body into things. It was kind of funny to like 
have that and then you compare it with everybody's one two switch and you're like here's here's the you know the, the trash version and here's like what it looks if it's really good you know <laughs> exactly just kind of comparing those side by side you're like you know this is garbage and it, it's that meme of like this is someone's version and this is like you know my version at home kind of thing like here's the warrior we're moving it's the good version of that you know like that that's the one people should play it looks really good and I, I like my kids are going to get into that you know kind of shaking your body around to do the moves it's got the nintendo throwbacks like the mario slide kind of thing like i and the the mm-hmm. olimar scene like i, I love that WarioWare continues to do that. And I, I wasn't super high on get it together. I, I thought that that was kind of a misfire for them. I, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm more alone in that camp, but move it. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good one. I, it looks like a more normal WarioWare game. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. Like <laughs> I feel like nowadays, a lot of us, and I, I, I include myself in that you look at a motion control led game and you're like, all right, buddy, whatever you say, um, but I feel like WarioWare is the one exception where you're yes, like, oh, sure, I'll, I'll give sure. it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, and then in third place, you have Pikmin 4 with a respectable 12.3% of the vote. In second place, you have Super Mario RPG with 32.9% of the vote, which I would say both of those are to be expected. Yes. Because in first place, you have Super Mario Bros. Wonder with 54.2% of the vote, which is uh, doubly impressive because 155 votes is more than we normally get on these. So I was, it, it, it's a little, it, if you were to say Nintendo fans, most anticipated games, or at least Nintendo fan adults who were the ones most likely to be using Twitter, you got Super Mario Bros. Wonder, then Mario RPG, then Pikmin 4. That sounds about right. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it, it also looks like Perry probably created like 30 different Twitter accounts and, and kept voting for <laughs> Super Mario Brothers Wonder, or, or I should say purposely trying to make Super Mario RPG not be number one. That that That's what the, this poll, the poll results kind of say to me. But No, because if it was Perry, <laughs> he would have put 30 votes into WarioWare moving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> Yeah, good point. It's, uh, it's funny you said "Get It Together" was game of the year, because, or was was uh, not your favorite because I think it ended up being like Talk Nintendo's game of the year. Oh, is just, that right? Um, <laughs> just oh, as yeah. like a law of averages, like we kind of just end up there. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but anyways, there's an episode. This is longer than we normally go for. Time flies when you're when you're having fun with your best friend. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, sorry, Perry and Casey, you're out. You've been you've been permanently yeah. demoted. Have you have you seen the the man show before? A long, long time ago, but yes, I, okay. I have seen it before. So you know how the show was originally Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. Did you know that in the final season, uh, after the two of them left, they replaced them with uh, Joe Rogan and Doug Stanhope, <laughs> two two comedians <laughs> who were nothing at the time. Yeah, yeah. And if you're like, who were like the and are now like very big names in comedy sure, compared to sure. back. Like Joe Rogan's bigger than Adam Carolla. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, without a doubt. And, yeah. and, and on par with Jimmy Kimmel on yeah. a name basis. So that's, it's just, that's us. We're I, the, I, that's funny. We're the I, Rogan Stanhope. I, I did not even know that. Um, yeah. I, I would have only ever seen the man show when it was Kimmel and Carolla for sure. Um, and, and even then just, just, just sparingly, I'm trying to think like what, what network in Canada would have even had that show on it. I have no idea, but Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's good that's a good that's a good reference a good a good i don't know maybe not a good a segue good to end the podcast with because everyone's gonna be looking at what what the heck is the man show they got to go look at no it up. <laughs> no i'm having fun because uh 
<laughs> with Perry and Casey on, there's, there are guardrails with the kind of references I can make. Fair. Uh, yeah. And and yeah, anyways. That's a good one. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Jordan. It was fun. It's my pleasure. And anytime Perry decides to have a child, I will be waiting in the wings, happy to fill in <laughs> for him, uh, knowing that Casey will just be, you know, being lackadaisical about things and taking time off or for goodness knows what. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's a great time always being on the podcast. It was fun. You know, Alex, we, I don't think we've ever done a podcast, just the two of us. So uh, sure. I'm, I'm happy to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I know I always promise like, oh, I will come back soon. And and then things inevitably happen. But the summer is better for me. Uh, just my wife is off because she's a teacher. Uh, and I, I have do have some more afternoons free. So uh, maybe after Pikmin 4 comes out, we want to get together and do uh, do a big episode on that. I'd, I'd definitely be down. Talk Nintendo Pod on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash talk Nintendo Pod. That's twitter.com slash talk Nintendo. P-O-D. There you go. Uh, and then you can support the site that supports this show on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash NWR. That's patreon.com slash NWR. Where can the good folks find you, Jordan? Yeah, so if Twitter is still alive by the time this episode posts, uh, I am on Twitter at Riskman64, always tweeting out my uh, link, links to my reviews, uh, whether that's video or written uh, for NWR. Uh, so you can find my stuff there. Check us, check us out, or check out our YouTube channel, uh, NWR TV on YouTube for reviews, previews, uh, John's uh, technical breakdowns of games. He's got a uh, technical uh, breakdown for uh, the Pikmin Four demo, actually. So that's worth checking out. Super cool game for sure. Yeah, excellent. Um, and that'll do it. Uh, we will see the fine folks next week. Uh, have a good night and have a good week. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye for now.
This is a certified Balix classic. Yeah, leave it to um, Perry and Casey, the people who created the show, oh. not to do any prep work. That's right. Not to uh, not to field guests until the last minute. Yeah, I'll just leave it in your capable hands as usual, I guess, Alex. Yeah, capable you know. with an asterisk. I would say, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> it's better than yeah, I don't know, just with a you know strike through or something like that. <laughs>